So, uh, so this little bulletin here, I know you might just see it and may wonder what the heck that is and everything, but in it is all the information you need about everything. So you think, oh, I, what, what did they say about that? What did they say about that? And of course you can go online as well. But this makes it really simple. You can carry it with you. It tells all about where to give your offering or where the manual prayer team is or Vineyard Kids Ministry, some programs that are happening, uh, just anything that you need to know. So we also have this. We just try to communicate as best we can so everybody knows about the wide variety of things that we have going on here and it might find a, you might find a place in it. So it's important to us that you know, at least by communication, how, how to get involved, all right? All right, so hopefully everybody has an outline, and it should say, The Great Reward of Knowing and Obeying God's Commands. So if I say God's Commands, there's something rebellious, and all of us, oh, I don't know if I want to know about one more command, you know. But, uh, but I'll tell you what, when you understand the Word of God in the right way, you understand that all that was written is for your benefit, not for your bondage. Well, that was good, Mike. Say it again. Not, it's for your benefit, not for your bondage. Matter of fact, it's quite the opposite. Jesus said, I came that they might have life and have it abundantly. So the Bible is the book of abundantly. If you look at it that way, you'll read your Bible all the time. And um, so this is how we know God's commands. Reading our Bibles is one of the great ways. And one thing that happened to me that was revolutionary in my life, shortly after I got baptized with the Holy Spirit, uh, when I was like 17, I ended up uh, at Old Roberts University. And then from there, found my wife, married her, and then we ended up in Oklahoma City. And I was in medical school at the University of Oklahoma, but we found this really uh, amazing church. It was just starting. It was started by uh, this man who had written a book called Anointed for Burial, and he had been one of the last missionaries, if not the last missionary, he and his wife, to get out of Cambodia before the Holocaust. So in the uh, months preceding the Holocaust that happened there where millions were murdered out in the uh, killing fields. Uh, he had a church. He had planted a church in Phnom Penh. And one thing that he found extremely powerful is praying every day. So he instituted that in this new church plant when we got to Oklahoma City. Uh, and so every morning the guys would gather together and they would pray every single morning, like 6 o'clock in the morning, right? I found that a little hard in the beginning, but... Even in med school, I, I tried it a little bit, and then I got such life out of it. And then he had this habit, and his habit, he had this Bible reading plan. And uh, in the Bible reading plan, uh, he had it divided up into three sections, and he would do this pattern of reading his Bible. So he ended up reading three or four chapters every day, and then you could mark it off when you did it, right? Something like that. And so uh, he had more complicated ones as well, but the point is he had this Bible reading plan. But one thing he discovered while he was in Cambodia is he was just having, uh, uh, in the midst of great danger, uh, risking his life, is he noticed that as he did his Bible reading plan, he noticed that what he needed for the day was in his Bible readings. Yeah. Often there was just tremendous protection and uh, tremendous guidance because the, in that emergency situation, they were having to literally live, on, live not by bread alone, but on every word that came out of the mouth of God to survive. And he found out that he, as he read his Bible readings for the day, often whatever the Bible reading was for that day was exactly what he needed. So I sort of picked that habit up from him. 
And I began to do the same thing, and I began to notice the same thing. I would, I would find often what I was going to face or something that was going on was so relevant to my life, it was amazing, right? So I developed actually a habit of reading the Bible, but it was so cool because it was, uh, I found there was great reward in, in reading the Scriptures, not only for uh, lessons that I would learn for my whole life and apply to my whole life and long term, but also for very specific words that would be very uh, specific to the challenge I would be facing that week or that day or whatever. And I learned to read the Bible that way. And so from that point forward, you never had, I never had a hard time reading the Bible uh, day in and day out. So now I've developed that and grown into my own sort of plan. But I have a plan where I'm reading X amount of scriptures. Uh, by the time I'm done with a year, I'm through, through the Old Testament once and the New Testament twice. And I do that every year. And I've done that for many, many years now. And uh, and one of the biggest reasons why I've done it is because I found it's part of the way I'm led by the Holy Spirit. And uh, because it's all God's inspired word. So there's stuff that jumps out of every page, not just in general, but actually for what you need for that day or for that moment or, or for maybe three days from now or, or what you need, uh, you know, for some information about how to solve a difficult situation. And uh, so this word of God that we have, the Bible, it's just so living and active. And if you handle it that way, and not just as a body of information, but as life-changing stuff that's relevant every day, uh, uh, and the Bible claims that about itself, when you take God's Word and you obey God's words, which are, it's interesting, God's Word, God's speaking to you, taking, you know, people say, I, I don't, I can't hear God's voice. Oh, yes, you can. Just read your Bible. And if you read it with faith, and actually say, whatever's in this book, I'm going to apply to my life. And that's really important. If it's just an old book with old information and stuff, you know, it's, it's one thing. But if it's inspired, we call it the inspired. In other words, God, uh, uh, the Scripture claims about itself that it's God-breathed. God so there's no book you'll ever read that's God-breathed. So this is God's uh, information for you about your life. Now, it's set in weird contexts sometimes and weird cultures, but the information is the same. It's amazing. God knew that. He said, basically, human beings, they're all the same. You know, I mean, every culture, they got the same problems, same issues, slightly different culture, same thing. That's why to read the Word of God's life, that's why it's like bread. It's like eating. It's like food for you. It's revelation. It's insight. And as you read the Word of God from that standpoint, You'll find that often, as you do a, a consistent Bible reading plan, often you're, you'll find out, you'll, you'll read you know, something, and all of a sudden, boy, that was really good for that day. You didn't even know you were going to need that for that day, but you were just reading that, or need a direction. And I mean, not really a specific direction, about buying a house, about moving. Man, oh man, I was like a gypsy the first few years of our marriage. I mean, how many times did we move, Janice? I mean, I've, 20 times in like the first few years of our marriage. I mean, we're like like nomads traveling all over the place and everything. But in those moves, we actually felt like we were being guided, that God was showing us what to go. We ended up planting church here, there. We ended up in California, then down to Mission Viejo. And all along the Bible, and, and just re referring back and forth through our scriptures and through the leading of the Holy Spirit, and through other ways that God speaks through people, we, 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 we kept getting guided and led to do what we needed to do. And the Bible gives them the most amazing advice for everything. It's intensely, intensely practical. Sometimes the culture is a little bit hard, you know, for the Bible, so you don't quite understand the culture a little bit, but there's every kind of Bible imaginable to help you with the culture, right? 
So I got me one of those Bibles, like an NIV study Bible or whatever, so I could look up things, you know, and check on them. And, what does that mean? What does that mean, you know? It's an NIV study Bible I lived off for years and years. Very, very helpful. And then I got me a humongous NIV study Bible, like this gigantic thing, gigantor, you know. And it's got all this information about all kinds of things in there, you know, that I, I th- didn't think I'd ever want to know. But, boy, I tell you, it's fascinating. So I got this big, giant thing, right? I, I lug around it. I can't carry it with me very much, but but I do it at home all the time. So. Well, let's look at the outline that you have for today. Um, I've actually said probably what I want to say now. We could probably go home now. Uh, But, of course, we can't do that. (laughs) Actually, we could do that, but I don't want to do that. I think I have a few more things to say about this that might be helpful to somebody here. All right. So uh, let's look at uh, Proverbs chapter uh, 3. And... uh, uh, I'm going to have a lot of passages from this particular chapter. I found it especially interesting. And um, so Proverbs chapter 3. And so if you look on your outline, Roman number 1 says, The reward of following God's commands can never be underestimated for this life or for the life to come. So this advice he's giving is living your life out not only for this life, but also reward for the life to come. So you're actually dealing with your present and your uh, future. And talking about future, your eternity here is bound up in the words of this book. Because what the Bible claims about itself, and all Christians know, it's not just a book, but it's the inspired Word of God. In other words, that God breathed on it. He, this is His inspiration. It was written through ordinary people, and there's ordinary customs mentioned and so on, but it's all inspired by God. So from the very beginning, the church fathers settled that. And that's the way the Jews understood their own writings as well, and that moved over into the New Testament as well. So let's look uh, first about uh, the reward of following God's commands can never be underestimated for this life or the life to come. So how about this? Long life, peace, and prosperity. So let's read this. Proverbs 3. My son, do not forget my teaching, but, but keep my commands in your heart. For Listen to this. Now this is, this is going to be... I, I notice this... Uh, I've seen it before, but I never notice it. You know, sometimes you'll read something, read something, but you won't notice it really clearly, you know, and you must have read it a ten times. But this one, I think it has to do with I'm getting older. But anyway, uh, <clears throat> he says this. He says, my, my son, do not forget my teaching, but keep my commands, your heart, for they will prolong your life many years. I really like that part. Yes. Thank you. Could that actually be? Yes. Okay. Okay, let's go back. Like if I said, I have this pill that will extend your life at least 10 years, my people would be banging on the doors. They'd be paying anything for that, right? Just guarantee me I'm going to get 10 more years, right? And it's so funny. Even I watch these diet plans and everything. And it's so funny. I'm thinking, you know, they sell it like this. This will add at least 10 years to your life, 5 years to your life, 12 years to your life. You keep doing this, you know what I'm thinking? Really? I mean, you're really going to sell it on that bait? And people say, oh, man, I want that, right? Yeah. All right? So don't have any trouble with that. But here's the lowly Bible. It says, look at this. My son, do not forget my teaching, but keep my commands in your heart, for they will prolong your life many years. You, Are you kidding me? They'll prolong your life many years and bring you what? Peace and prosperity. Now, peace and prosperity go together because that's that word shalom, which is bigger than just inner peace. When they the, the Jews said shalom, they're talking about and every area of your life, good things, right? Grace on your money, your children, whatever. That's what they meant by shalom, a whole lifestyle, right? So these words, don't forget my teaching, keep my commands in your heart, for they will prolong your life many years and bring you peace and prosperity. Look down at verses 13 to 18. 
Blessed are those who find wisdom, those who gain understanding. So this Bible is full of wisdom and understanding about life. For she is more profitable than silver and yields better returns than gold. So when you find wisdom, which you can find in the scriptures, it's better than silver, better returns than gold. She is more precious than rubies. Nothing you desire can compare with her. Law, here it is again. I, I, I went through this this time, and I thought, man, that's like the fifth time I've read this. Long life is in her right hand. Long life is in, so the promises of God, long life is in her right hand. In her left hand are riches and honor. Oh, I like both those. Riches, honor, long life. How about that? If I had a, I have a foolproof plan for riches, honor, and long life. How many want to sign up for that? Me, right? Okay. Well, here it is. Be it done to you according to your faith, because this is an offer you probably shouldn't refuse. Her ways are pleasant ways, and all her paths are peace. Now, the enemy of your soul and your flesh sometimes reads the decrees and things in the Bible, the commands and the ways of the Bible, and they don't feel pleasant to you. But in the end, they're always pleasant. In the end, they wear, they, they bear good fruit. Jesus said, I came that they might have life and have it abundantly. And the scriptures are the way to life and have it abundantly. But in abundant life, sometimes, okay, let's think about this, even in nature. There's a tree out there, right? Trees do good uh, when they just grow, but they have to be pruned back sometimes. I don't know what it is like to be a tree, but I would imagine when you cut those branches, it doesn't feel good, right? <laughs> I don't think they have a neural system, but anyway, right? And boy, I tell you, sometimes you cut trees and they look really awful, you know? After you do that, my wife's still in pain over the ones we trimmed on the other side of the building over here, right? So she's mad because we didn't get it quite done right because it's look they look terrible right now. But they'll grow back, right? And then we had to eliminate a few. That's when we really got upset. So we're trying to get them back, right? I don't know why I'm bringing all that up. Anyway, it's the <laughs> latest marital conflict. But anyway, we're transparent around here, right? I'm transparent. She hates what I just said. But anyway, never mind. <laughs> <laughs> so I probably should read my book again about honoring your wife and all that stuff here but okay <laughs> all right okay let's go back to this long life is in her right hand this is wisdom the, the, what you get out of the scripture what you get out from God's word in her left hand are riches and honor I, I like that too oh, man I tell you what think about that for a moment this is what the Bible unabashedly says find wisdom find the wisdom in this book find wisdom Amen. and guess what Long life and riches and honor. They're for you. I just read God's will for you. That's amazing. So be it done to you according to your faith. That's why we should all be digging in this book, looking for every corner around, every which way. What does the Bible say about this and that? Because it's for you, not against you. It's on your side. It wants you to be happy. Her ways are pleasant ways. The Bible's ways are pleasant ways. Wisdom is pleasant. And all her paths are peace. She is a tree of life to those who take hold of her. That's why you read your Bible. Take hold of the things spoken there. Hold on to them. Don't just read it as information. But And so early on in my ministry, when I learned this from my mentor, I discovered how he would read his Bible and then... He would, and it would happen to us there at the church. And we're just starting this new church, and I was on the ground floor of it. And we just needed everything, right? And God would just give this very specific uh, reading, and he said, yeah. And every time he would say this, he would say, yeah, I was reading my Bible readings this morning, and, and I knew he, was, he had something di from direction, something from the Lord, something he was going to do, something he was going to respond to. And then we'd talk about it, and then he'd go do it, and then it'd come to pass. 
I mean, I watched that over and over again. I thought, okay, no problem. I'm signing up for this. And I've been in that space ever since, right? So when I read my Bible, it's living and active. So I don't know how many times I've been through the scriptures, but a lot. If you can imagine all these years, right? And through, through the Bible over and over again, but it never gets tired. It never, I, never, I never remember everything. But also, some of these promises, like did you read, stick out, stick out like signs. Beep, beep, beep. This is for you today. This is your day. So then I take it by faith and I apply that to my life and I get victory. I get victory, right? And so you learn all kinds of things. Some of those things seem alien to your lifestyle at first, but as you get trained with the Word of God, it gets more and more exciting and more and more pleasant, and you find yourself succeeding. There's power in reading your Bible. This is B in your outline. So you can understand what is right and just and fair, every good path. That's Proverbs chapter 2, 1 to 11. I'll read a few of those verses. My son, if you accept my words and store up my commands within you, turning your ear to wisdom and applying your heart to understanding. Indeed, if you call out for insight and cry aloud for understanding, and if you look for it as for silver and search for it as for hidden treasure. In other words, God, what are you after? What do you want from me? What, what is it that I can... How can I solve this problem? Well, how are we going to solve this problem? I like that. Because we know Jesus, your Lord and Savior. It's now, how are we going to solve this problem? And a lot of the information you need is right here. And he's saying, look, if you look for insight, if you want insight from God, and you look for it like silver, you search for it as hidden treasure, in other words, you're after it, then you'll understand the fear of the Lord and find the knowledge of God. For the Lord gives wisdom from his mouth come knowledge and understanding. Now look at this. This is, this is incredible. Think about this. Just a minute. He holds success in store for the upright. He holds success in store for the upright. He is a shield to those whose walk is blameless. For he guards the course of the just and protects the way of his faithful ones. Oh, man, these verses are getting better and better. Then you'll understand what is right and just and fair every good path. So that's what you get out of reading your Bible. You learn what's right and just and fair. Even in everyday life, you can take the stories that you learn, things that you learn, principles you learn, and then apply it to everyday life. And so you begin to be a person who understands the reality of life and how the world works and how God works, who rules the world. And you find out what is right and just and fair every good path. I don't know about you, but I've been on some really nasty, horrible paths. I don't like those paths. I think I'll stay to the good ones, all right, that bear fruit, that keep me healthy, right? And for wisdom will enter your heart. Man, I'll tell you what, especially during these last several years, man, I have never needed so much wisdom in my whole life. So when I say, when I look at this and go, hey, wisdom will enter my heart, wow. For you that own your businesses, for those that you, everybody works, for you that have families, households, oh, how I live for wisdom entering my heart, knowledge will be pleasant to your soul. Discretion will protect you and understanding will guard you. So all of these words, these words that we're talking about, the Lord gives wisdom. From his mouth come knowledge and understanding. Well, I didn't hear him speak. Well, he's speaking right here. That's why he put a whole book together for you. He wanted to make it easy. And then on top of that, he brings the Holy Spirit to breathe life into every page to tell you what you're supposed to do, to help you understand. He doesn't leave you alone as you read. That's important. He doesn't leave you alone. You should expect. And so you know he's with you when you're reading, you know. Some days are just sort of ordinary days, but other days, like, wow, the boards are just going, boom, 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 jumping off the page, and you know you're onto something there. And it's an answer to every single problem. So the more you're aware of what's in the body of the book, the Lord will pull out this scripture over there, apply that to your heart, and he starts talking to you in a new, unique way. When you know what God's word is already, what he speaks, what he likes, how he talks, then when he talks to you outside of the Bible, it talks to you with an impression or a leading, 
then you you know what it sounds like. You know, well, first of all, does it line up with the Word of God? Second of all, you know, uh, have I been through this before, right? And often we have, or God will give us scripture and say, well, in case you were wondering if that's from me, read this scripture. I'll hear that all the time, you know. I'll get this leading to do something, then I'll hear a scripture. It'll remind me of a scripture, and so I'll go back to that. Okay, I'm going to stand on this word of God, and this is how I'm going to work from here on out, right? And much of what we've done around here is just straight from the scriptures. Do you know why we do? No. you know why we get to minister to weak people? Do you know why we get to? Oh, man, have you read the reward book on ministering to people that aren't doing well? <laughs> have you read the reward are you aware of the promises for anybody that has anything to do with someone that doesn't have enough food or somebody that doesn't have enough clothing? Somebody that's weak and you're strong to them? Can you imagine? You know what the reward is for that? It's all through the Scripture. If you haven't read it, well, I encourage you to do it. You'll be a lot smarter for it. I mean, it's not kidding. I mean, wow, you don't have to help the weak and the poor. You get to. It pays huge dividends. Like you get three or four percent from the bank, but this hedge fund thing, man, it's like for the poor, it's like twenty percent, thirty percent yield. I mean, it's amazing. I'm not saying I like hedge funds either. I don't even know what a hedge fund means basically, but I <laughs> I know that sometimes you make a lot of money. Sometimes I know you lose lose a lot of money. But anyway, all right, that's about it. So Roman numeral two. Many of uh, wait, wait. I think I have another one here. I want to read Colossians one, uh, nine and ten. Let me read that. It's Paul's writing to the Colossians. For this reason, since the day we heard about you, we have not stopped praying for you. We continually ask God to fill you with knowledge, through the knowledge, with the knowledge of His will, through all wisdom and understanding that the Spirit gives, so that you may live a life worthy of the Lord and please Him in every way, bearing fruit in every good work, growing in the knowledge of God. So he's praying for them for this. But I want to read this again because this is what you get out of the Bible. For this reason, since the day we heard about you, we have not stopped praying for you. We continually ask God to fill you through the knowledge of his will. So the scripture reveals the knowledge of his will. Through all the wisdom and understanding that the Spirit gives. So that you may live a life worthy of the Lord and please him in every way, bearing fruit in every good work, growing the knowledge of God. So this Bible tells you what is pleasing to the Lord. And when you do things that are pleasing to the Lord, you get rewarded for it. So it's kind of important that you know what's pleasing to the Lord, right? And some things that are pleasing to the Lord are, are sometimes uh, a little mysterious. Sometimes you didn't see that before. And sometimes God will bring that pleasing to the Lord Scripture right to you, right in the middle of some circumstance you really needed to hear it. And on the other side, what's displeasing to the Lord? So I don't know about you, but i got enough problems as it is. I don't, want to be dis- I don't need to be displeasing to the Lord in any way, right? i got enough problems. So let's just keep it pleasing on this side, right? And the devil's after me anyway. He's displeased with me, but I don't need God displeased with me, right? I want to be moving toward the Lord, right? And of course, all this is in faith, but these passages help you understand the way the world works. Roman number two. Many of God's commands are simple and very wise. Some of God's words are only understood by personally knowing the heart and power of the author. God wants to reveal himself personally. So that's extremely important that God wants to reveal himself uh, personally to us. And um, uh, and so the scriptures are, 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 are part of that also. And, but it's just nice to know that God wants to reveal himself and be that intimate with us, right? So Matthew chapter 22, verse 29. So Jesus kept dealing with these very religious people who actually read the scriptures, but actually read it from a wicked place. And they took it and distorted it, unlike us, 
because they didn't really know God. And because they didn't really know God, they didn't know, know the scriptures. So they had religion and a religiosity about it, but they didn't have a personal relationship with God. So obviously everything we're talking about really is built on a personal relationship with God. So he'd often have conversations with them like this. He says, Jesus replied, you are in error because you do not know the scriptures or the power of God. Now these people read the scriptures over and over and over again. So it's important that we read with the inspiration of the Spirit that actually we know God. Well, they didn't know God. They knew religion, but they didn't know God. And so Jesus was trying to bring to them an understanding of how to really know God, but they rejected him right and left. They were so in love with their traditions that they distorted the scriptures. They messed them up. They emphasized certain things they shouldn't have been emphasizing, and they distorted completely, made a whole new religion out of certain passages that they interpreted for their own need, for their own uh, uh, um, uh, welfare, right? So like there were inheritance laws they would violate in the name of Jesus, right? In the name of, not Jesus, but in the name of God, right? <laughs> Jesus was trying to get them to understand who he was. He says, you're an Eric. So there's things that, like for example, he's trying to say, you know, there was this thing about, you know, if you go to heaven, like, and you married seven times, and like, who, whose wife is going to be yours in heaven, right? <laughs> they were confused. They think about that stuff all the day long. They did nothing but think about crazy stuff like that. So Jesus said, you're in error because you do not know the scriptures of the power of God. At the resurrection, people will neither marry nor be given in marriage. They will be like the angels in heaven. Right? So he, he clarifies, and the scripture has a lot of a lot of ways of doing that. But he says, But about the resurrection of the dead, have you not read when God said to you when what God said to you, I am the God of Abraham, the God of Isaac, and the God of Jacob? He is not the God of the dead, but of the living. So those guys died a long time ago, even in Jesus' time. But he's still their God, because life goes on and on and on, right? There's an eternity to it. So our ancestors who are in heaven, he's their God and our God at the same time. And someday there's going to be a marvelous connection when Jesus returns of that whole thing, right? Mark chapter 7, verses <coughs> excuse me, 9 to 13. You have a fine way of setting aside the commands of God in order to observe your own traditions. So they kept messy, mixing in this religious tradition. They kept adding to God's words, and he didn't like it. For Moses said, Honor your father and mother, and anyone who curses their father and mother is to be put to death. But you say, If anyone declares what they might have been used to help their father and mother is Corban, that is devoted to God, then you no longer let them do anything for their father or mother. Thus you nullify the word of God by your tradition that you have handed down, and you do so many things like this. And you do many things like that. Okay, I'm going to step on some people's toes. But I'm telling you, honoring your father and mother has promise to it. And when you violate that one, you hurt yourself. This is a big deal. Honor your father and mother. Now, sometimes our fathers and mothers aren't very honorable. They're hard to honor. But nevertheless, there will be. The Spirit will show you a way to honor them without betraying your own belief system, without violating some other side of the Bible, right? But I've watched many people dishonor their parents in ways that makes me cringe because I know some of these passages and and Jesus was, isn't it interesting, he took this time out to say, you know what, you guys think you know about all this stuff, and you developed all these traditions and all this Jewish stuff and superstition and stuff, but you missed the basic stuff, like, hey, take care of your parents, they're in need, right? And it's easy to do that sometimes. 
That's why you got to be careful when you read the Bible, because sometimes you read the Bible and you get a little bit religious, and, and if you get puffed up with it, then you start getting religious, and you start getting a religious spirit, and you start doing really weird stuff. So you need God on the inside to help you to walk with Him. So that's why it's so important to have the Holy Spirit operating so fully. When we get, we talk about being baptized with the Holy Spirit, filled with the Holy Spirit continually. One of the biggest reasons why you need to be filled with the Holy Spirit is it'll help you to understand the Bible, because you'll start reading it like God would read it, right? And you don't read weird things into it. And you get a balance and you understand kind of how all the things work together because there are a lot of things said by a different author here and there. Sometimes they seem to contradict each other, but they have a beautiful harmony and the Spirit on the inside of you will teach you. That's why it's so important to know God. He'll teach you. He'll help you to understand. The more you read the Bible, the more you understand. The more you ask God for things, He'll get you through things and help you to understand and understand and understand. Right? Sometimes people read the Bible and they just throw their hands up. But... You know what? It's the book of life. It's actually this book that you're going to find more one place. I mean, if you obey God's commands, you live a longer life. I think you know how many people are trying to extend their life. Here's a recipe right here. But to understand those principles, you also have to walk with God. You have to know Jesus Christ, your Lord and Savior, have the Spirit on the inside of you to help you interpret, to help you understand how to walk with God. And so these guys would take the scriptures, they knew them backwards and forwards, but they didn't have the Spirit of God, they didn't have God's heart. They actually manipulated and controlled this, made it sort of a religious system to get gain and to get money from. And so they lived this very comfortable lifestyle, manipulating and controlling the scriptures and, and actually putting people in bondage, which Jesus absolutely hated. So you got to be careful how you treat this book. Solomon received his wisdom out of a desire to know God and what was pleasing to him. Now, this is uh, an amazing thing, Solomon. He, what a great example for us uh, today. The richest man that ever lived. 1 Kings 3, 5-15. At Gibeon, the Lord appeared to Solomon during the night in a dream, and, and God said, Ask whatever you want me to give you. Wow, that's a big deal. Solomon answered, you have shown great kindness to your servant, my father David, because he was faithful to you and, uh, and righteous and upright in heart. You have continued this great kindness to him and have given him a son to sit on his throne this very day. Now, Lord my God, you have made your servant king in place of my father David, but I am only a little child and I do not know how to carry out my duties. Your servant is here among the people you have chosen, a great people, too numerous to count or number. So, this is what he said. Give your heart, give your servant a discerning heart to govern your people and to distinguish between right and wrong. First, who is able to govern this great people of yours? Now, you could summarize that as, Lord, give me wisdom. Give me understanding how to handle this. The Lord was pleased that Solomon had asked for this. So God said to him, here's very, 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 very instructive. Since you have asked for this and not for long life or wealth for yourself, nor have asked for the death of your enemies... <laughs> but for discernment and administering justice. I will do what you have asked, and I will give you a wise and discerning heart so that there will never so that there will never have been anyone like you, nor will there ever be. Wow. Moreover, I will give you what you have not asked for, for both wealth and honor, so that in your lifetime you'll have no equal among kings. And if you walk in obedience to me and my decrees and commands as David your father did, I will give you long life. Then Solomon awoke, and he realized it had been a dream. Now, if you walk in obedience to me and keep my decrees and commands, I will give you a long life. So there's that long life thing again. You're going to hear me say that like five times. I was surprised when I went through this. How many times long life is mentioned? But wealth and honor. So God's not a bad, he's not against wealth and honor. 
He's okay with it. It just has to be put in the right place, right? So Solomon's heart was in the right place. He wanted this, most of all. And then God added that. That's a good description of how to manage your money. Do this, and God will add that. He'll add it in his own way, in his own time, right? Do this, and God will add that. That's a lot of wisdom. That's going to save somebody a lot of time here. And then there's a kind of wealth that comes that adds no sorrow to it. So when you keep God's wisdom in place, then also not only will you get wealth or manage wealth, but it won't add any sorrow to your life. The key to life isn't having money. The key to life is if you have abundance, making sure it doesn't hurt you, doesn't injure you, right? And so people injure themselves all through the Bible for wicked gain, for handling their money wrongly. But the Bible gives specific instructions of how not to do that. What should be your priorities? How should you live with this abundance if God should give you that abundance? But honestly, you that have abundance, rejoice in it. And you that don't, rejoice that you're on their way there. Because from what I can see, when Jesus said, I came that they might have life and have it abundantly, I think that goes across the whole spectrum of what what's the average person? Walk up the average person, what's abundant life? You know, I think everybody would say, well, I've got enough provision. You know, I have a car to get me back and forth to work, or more than that. Abundant life would mean I have this. You'd probably answer that right away. But all of that proceeds from abundance on the inside, which is understood as you read the scriptures and God teaches you how to be abundant on the inside so you can also be abundant on the outside. And also there's a fair amount of teaching on being abundant on the outside. Right? We don't want to torment you when we ask about offerings. We're actually giving you a grand opportunity for blessing. And then, in, and, and also the church as well. We don't just sit on our hands with money. We invest the money into also, we also are giving, right? So we're just one big long giving trail. And every time we give, the Bible says, and it shall be given to you. Good measure, pressed down, shaken together. You don't have to give, you get to give. Amen. And if you make it into something that's weird and twisted and all that, you know, it, it's, it's bad, right? It'll be bad for you. So you need the whole counsel of Scripture for all your life. And by the way, that's why I read the Bible all the time. I'm going to say it again. I read the Bible constantly, over and over, page by page, all the way through the Bible, over and over and over again. Why do I do that? Because I just forget stuff. And then I, but more than that, I hear God speaking to me through stuff. Oh, whoa. And that was just like what I need to know for today. Or speak to me about a long-term thing. Or, hey, wait a minute, you got a bad attitude there. Or, hey, wait a minute, you got a good attitude there. Hey, that's really worth doing. Hey, keep going that way. It's like even the way we've built the church, uh, uh, and this church, and hopefully every church does this, but I just try to find what I think is the most important things to God and, and make sure they're in the church. Make sure they're here. Make sure that we're in that space. Because there are a lot of things you could do as a church, right? But but there are certain things that I think are kind of like right at the top of the list, right? Like, why do we worship so long? Well, like God likes it. <laughs> he likes it. One of his favorite guys is named David. He loved David so much because the guy was worshiping all the time, right? And he actually invented instruments and created entire a whole uh, choirs and whole a whole a whole system of doing nothing but honoring and worshiping the Lord in addition to the law and the commandments, right? And so it was just a beautiful thing. You see the unfolding revelation of God uh, through the scriptures. This is such a beautiful thing. The first steps. This is a B here. Uh, the first steps to having a relationship with God. All right, so we just see this, and Jesus as an example, and uh, also from his teaching, right? So in Mark uh, chapter 7, 
Let me just start here. I think I got ahead of myself here, but now I'll go to Mark 1, chapter 1, verse 15. All right, this is uh, B1 on your outline, Roman numeral 2, if you're that interested. All right. The time has come, Jesus said. The kingdom of God has come near. Repent and believe the good news. So this was a marker. All right, so what do I get out of that? So Jesus comes on the heels of John the Baptist, who was a great preacher of righteousness for people to repent. But Jesus said this, and it's really important, the very first words out of his mouth as, as he began his ministry. It's very important to kind of go back and see, like, what did he say at the very beginning, right? So the first thing he says is, repent and believe the good news. The kingdom of God has come near. So the rule of God's near now. The authority of God's near you, right? And he says that you kind of need to change your mind about this. Repentance means to change your heart, change your mind, and believe the good news. But believe that the good news has come in a unique way that I'm here now in a special way. And so everything I'm going to say to you now is good news, news that maybe you haven't heard in the same way, right? And the rule of God, in a way that you could not have imagined, meaning like God is now living amongst you. (laughs) So this is a demarcation, right? It's very, very important. But that's the same way it is with knowing God for anybody. We all go through the same thing. We repent means change your mind. We change our mind about our life, right? And we believe the good news about our life. Sometimes people leave that out. God is such good news. And we need to emphasize it so much to people. Not only do they need to change their lifestyle, change the way they were thinking, but they need to change their stinky thinking into thinking this way. I came, Jesus said, that they might have life and have it abundantly. What would that include? Does that include your money? Yeah. Does that include your health? Yeah. All of it. And as you read the wealth of the scripture, you understand God is so for you. He's for your health. He's for your children and your children's children. He's for your legacy. He's for your job. He is absolutely for you. But there's also this other word named repentance. Repent. That means change your mind about stupid thinking, stupid stuff, things that you know are evil, and don't do them anymore. Stop that. Stop it. I'm thinking of a psychiatrist. Someday i got to show that on the video. My favorite psychiatrist. <laughs> Have you ever seen that Bob Newhart thing? So the girl, the lady comes in <laughs> for for psychological counsel, you know, and he's in there, and uh, she starts to give her like three minutes of her problems, and he just looks up at her and says, "Well, I know what you should do." And he, and she says, "What?" She says, "Stop it." <laughs> She's horrified. <laughs> She's totally horrified. Right? Well, you don't understand that. No, no, no. You didn't hear what I did. You hear what I said? Well, yeah, I think I, I said, stop it. Just stop it. Don't do that anymore. Stop it. Well, you don't understand. No, 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 no. Here, uh, stop it. <laughs> I kept saying it over and over again. So anyway, I don't know why I brought all that up, but anyway, it's something to do with stop it and believe the good news. Don't do that anymore, right? <laughs> all right. So then uh, Acts chapter one verses four to eight. So. Jesus is giving his first instructions to his disciples, and they're going to be on their own now. But here's a really big thing. So the first thing is stop it. Repent. That terrible lifestyle you've been leading that you know good and well is wrong is going to do you no good because you let the thief in the door to steal and kill and destroy. Just don't do that anymore. But there's the other part of it, and that's believe. Believe in something better, that I have something more for you. And part of that better is receive the Holy Spirit. So interesting enough, we see in the very first uh, uh, um, uh, church in the very first chapters, um, Jesus is with them, 
And uh, while he's eating with me, he says, don't leave Jerusalem, but wait for the gift my father promises before he resurrected and before he went ascended to heaven, but, which you'll hear me speak about. For John baptized with water, but in a few days you'll be baptized with the Holy Spirit. And so um, then it goes down again, verse 8. But you'll receive power when the Holy Spirit comes on you, and you'll be my witnesses in Jerusalem, and all Judea and Samaria, and to the ends of the earth. Now, there's this little in-between time before when he resurrects from the dead. He appears to them over a period of time, and then he, he comes to them. And about the 40th day of all that, he decided he, decided, he's got, he ascended to heaven. But just before he ascends to heaven, he says, there's something else coming. You need to receive the Holy Spirit. You need to be immersed. The word baptized means you need to be immersed with the Holy Spirit. So that's why we emphasize being immersed with the Holy Spirit so much. These guys knew Jesus. Did they, were they Christians? By every measure, believe in the Lord Jesus Christ and you will be saved. And I tell you what, by the 40th day of him coming in and out and appearing from the dead, I think they totally believed. They were fine with that, right? But they needed this little extra thing called the Holy Spirit, right? They needed this extra dimension of the Holy Spirit. I could add it that way, right? So, so... Um, so he says, you'll receive power when the Holy Spirit comes. And sure enough, the Holy Spirit comes in the next chapter we read it. And there's this baptism of the Holy Spirit. There's this filling with the Holy Spirit, right? So this is critical to our walk with God. Now, Roman number, uh, number three on B, it says, the word written on your heart through the presence of the Holy Spirit. So it turns out that the Holy Spirit not only comes and you have supernatural experiences, but he helps you with God's words, right? So Matthew 8 uh, I want to just read uh, verses 7 to 10. For if there had been nothing wrong with the first covenant, no place would have been sought for another. But God found fault with the people and said, The days are coming, declares the Lord, when I'll make a new covenant. That would be us. And with the people of Israel, with the people of Judah, I will not, it will not be like the covenant I made with their ancestors when I took them out by the hand to lead them out of Egypt, because they did not remain faithful to my covenant, and I turned away from them, declares the Lord. This is the new co the covenant I will establish the the people of Israel. After that time, declares the Lord, I'll put my laws in their minds, write them on their hearts. I will be their God, and they will be my people. So there's this promise. So here's an interesting thing about all of us. When you come to know Jesus Christ, your Lord and Savior, He writes the laws on your heart. In other words, he, the Holy Spirit's in there talking to you. He's literally inside of you, and He's teaching you about the Word of God. So the Word of God and the Holy Spirit go hand in hand. So if you have the Holy Spirit on the inside of you, you'll be a voracious reader of the Scriptures. When you're filled with the Holy Spirit, you'll also find that you read the Scriptures all the time. So I got baptized with the Spirit when I was 17 years old. It was the craziest thing. It was the most wonderful thing I'd ever experienced in my life. And I'd barely been able to read more than three or four chapters in the Bible without falling asleep, absolutely. My youth leader said, read your Bible, you know, and I'd try, and oh my gosh, you know, same thing, you know. And I got baptized with the Spirit, and I was 17 at the time, and I read through the entire Bible from beginning to end in three months. The Spirit helps you a lot, right? So the, by, the Spirit helps you obey, helps you read, helps you ingest. He's there to do that. So we need this constant filling of the Holy Spirit, like we did with worship and with people praying for us. And we go way out of our way to talk to every person that comes in our church to make sure that they've had an experience or are having an experience with the Holy Spirit. That's why speaking in tongues is a prayer language. It's, it's part of what we do, but it keeps the fire going. It's, it's, it's prayer coming out of you. You don't know what you're saying, but I don't know about you. But sometimes I just do not know what to pray anymore, so I pray in the Spirit. But all of that helps me on the inside, and I find God's law in me. I find scriptures coming out. I, I find help, because all scriptures God breathe. And so from the experience of the Spirit, 
We receive insight as we receive the Bible. So both of those together, this empowering of the Spirit and reading your Bible is the best way to hear God's voice. Sometimes you just hear something objectively. Don't kill this guy. <laughs> okay, I better not do that. Okay, I won't do that, right? But there's lots of other things that are in the in-between kind of thing, like, right? So you need the Spirit to help you, help you understand. And sometimes something someone else can do, which is in that gray area, it's okay for them, but it's not okay for you. And the Spirit inspires that. He teaches you, He applies God's commands in the, the right way. So we want to apply God's commands by the unction of the Spirit to help us. Some things are absolutely clear. I've noticed sometimes people walk in the Spirit, so to speak, and then they violate this command or that command and this command, and it's so obvious, and you're going like, gee, you're a stinker. You don't do one thing you say. You know, and, and you're out there prophesying over everybody, and you're, you know, so, anyway, there's great reward of knowing and obeying God's commands, and if you don't, it's not so good for you either. So, probably good to know, but my point is, the Spirit and the law, they work together in such a beautiful combination. Where the Spirit of the Lord is, there's liberty. That doesn't mean you just violate everything in the Bible, it just means there's liberty, because when you do the and God things God's way, He always bless you. He's not a spoiled sport. Boy, I tell you what, if I could just shout that from the mountaintop. God wants you to do well. You know what? When you read the Bible, you know what you'll find out? He wants you to prosper. Can I say it again? It is God's will for you to prosper financially. Now, I can say that without, like, getting weird about it, you know, and everything we do is all about prosperity and give me, like, $5,000 and you'll have 10000 back in your bank account before you know it, that kind of stuff. I don't mean to say, don't ever want to get in a manipulative plate of this, but the fact is, when you give, God does something. But you don't, it's, so the, it's all tied in there. The law and the spirit work together so beautifully. So the last thing here, I'll try to get through this fairly quickly. More wisdom for Proverbs 3. And this turns out as we read through Proverbs 3, there's just this whole chapter full of amazing things, right? So let's just read a couple of them as we go through here, all right? I'll just start with verse 1. My son, do not forget my teaching, but keep my commands in your heart, for they will... Now listen to this. Okay, uh, I have on here Proverbs 1... Uh, Proverbs 3, 3 to 4, but I'm gonna I'm mentioning two, 1 and 2 here. Because here we see it again. Now, when I went through this this last time, I kept seeing this over and over again. Like, you know, and I'm getting a little up there in years. So I kind of noticed certain scriptures, like the Prolong Your Life scriptures. I really like those now more than I used to. I, I really read about those, right? Anything that's going to prolong my life, I'm in, right? And uh, when you're young, you think like you're omnipotent or all, um, you know, all-powerful. My son, do not forget my teaching, but keep my commands in your heart, for they will prolong your life. Uh, I like this part, too. Many years, and then bring you peace and prosperity. Wow. That love and faithfulness never leave you. Bind them around your neck. Write them on, on the tablet of your heart. Then you will win favor. Wow. And a good name in the sight of God and man. I want a good name in the sight of God and man. If you have a good name in the sight of God, your chances are pretty high you're going to also have a good name in the sight of man. You're going to do well with other people, right? The Hebrew word for love, unfailing love, loyal love, devotion. I, I like that. Uh, that love and faithfulness never leave you. Hebrew word for faithfulness, reliability and trustworthiness. So to be faithful means to be reliable, trustworthy. To, to, to love means to be uh, uh, devoted. It means loyalty. It means it's unfailing. So what's why we love one another? We're not fair-weather friends. We, we have a devotion to them when we love them, right? And God to us, and us to God. 
faithfulness. We're reliable and trustworthy. I'll tell you what. Oh, what a fresh breeze a reliable and trustworthy person is. Did you know in our church we have a whole bunch of them that are reliable and trustworthy? And the ones that aren't, well, for the most part, they are. But when they're not, God has a way of dealing with them. And we have a way of... Because if you're not trustworthy, you're stealing. You're taking away. You're doing something that's stealing away from something else when you get it illegally, right? You don't have to do things illegally. And you don't have to be lazy. You know, if you just work hard, you'll find out that God will give you all the rest time you need. (laughs) And all the rest of it, right? Oh, the Word of God is so good. And He's so special for us. Look at be there. Trust the Lord with all your heart and lean not on your own understanding. All your ways. How many ways would that be? Submit to Him. So how many know what all the ways are? Well, you read the Bible and you find out. God gives you all these examples. And they're not boring examples. I mean, some of the stories in the Bible are crazy, awesome strange stories, right? But we learn what God's ways are through them. He'll make your paths straight. So let me read that again. Trust in the Lord with all your heart, lean not on your own understanding, and all your ways submit to Him, and He'll make your paths straight. That literally means to make smooth, straight, free from obstacles. Ooh, I like paths in my life that are free from obstacles. How about you? Anybody like that? I want them free from obstacles, right? So we see part of the trust in the Lord with all your heart, lean not on your own understanding. So that means submit to Him. When you read, that's why it's so important to read your scriptures, because you might forgot of something you've been like messing up in. Just when, when you see that, you don't get condemned. Say, Thank you, God, that you just saved me a lot of time, because I was messing up there, and the thief comes only steal and kill and destroy. So when I do things that aren't God, He's stealing from me. I don't want to be stolen from. I just want all this good life you're talking about. Oh, how about C, health to your body? Especially watch out for bitterness and unforgiveness. So, ooh, 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 Do not be wise in your own eyes. Fear the Lord and shun evil. This is 7 of Proverbs 3. Look at this. It says, this will bring health to your body. What was that again? Uh, uh, don't be wise. Don't be a wise guy. Don't be proud, arrogant. Fear the Lord. Stay out of evil. Stay out of trouble. It brings health to your body and nourishment to your bones. That's amazing. How many people want to be healthy here today? Well, there's all kinds of prescriptions like this, all through the scriptures that tell you how to be healthy. How about overflowing financial provision? Look at this. Proverbs 3, 9 to 10. Honor the Lord with your wealth, with the first fruits of all your crops. First fruits means the first part, the first tenth of what you get from the Lord. Honor Him with that. Guess what? Then your barns will be filled to overflowing, and your vats will brim over with new wine. What a promise. Wow. I like that. Vats will brim over, barns overflowing. I don't have a barn, I don't have a vat, but I think I get the idea, right? I'm getting the idea here, what, the way this works, right? And if you get the idea the way it works, it's going to go really, really well for you. In Proverbs chapter 2, verses 1 to 9, my son, if you, this is Proverbs 2, verse 1, if you accept my words and store up my commands within you, turn your ear to wisdom and apply your heart to understanding. Indeed, if you will call out for insight and cry aloud for understanding, that's our whole walk with God, by the way. That's why I read my Bible so much. It helps me to understand the way life really works, the way things really work, right? And there's all these weirdo examples and people that did the stupidest stuff and people that did the greatest stuff and all of it, all the examples for us, right? And if you look for it, this ad is for wisdom, understanding, as for silver, and search for it as for hidden treasure. That's why I read my Bible. I look for the hidden treasure in it. Then you will, because I then I will understand the fear of the Lord and find the knowledge of God. Now, if God wasn't for me, who cares about the knowledge of God? But if you read your Bible enough, you'll find out how much He's for you, not against you. 
how much he's for you, not against you. How he wants you to do well financially. How he wants you to do spiritually. How he's for you, not against you. When you don't read your Bible, you don't know. Or if you read it from a really weird set of values or from a weird perspective. But as you read it more and more, you realize, hey, in the end, he really is like me. He cares. And, and oh, well, he just cares about that part of my life. No, he cares about every part of my life. If you read the Bible, that's why this Bible is like a full-service Bible. Everything about your life, from the way you sleep, the way you get up in the morning, children, marriages, family, work, everything's in there. And everything's got an example. And you'll run across it, and it'll be just what you need. That's why reading your Bible constantly, sometimes it'll give you this day your daily bread right there that day for what you're going to need for the day or what you need for wisdom for where you're at, right? For the Lord gives wisdom. From his mouth come knowledge and understanding. Now look at this. This gets really good here. It's not that the rest hasn't been good, but this, it's really, I really like this part, right? This is, uh, I'm in, where am I? I'm in Psalm 2, right? No, where am I? Psalm 2, 7, yeah, verse 7. All right. He holds success in store for the upright. He is a shield to those who walk as blameless. For he guards the course of the just and protects the way of his faithful ones. So you read enough passages like this, and you go, well, COVID, okay, big deal. It was a big deal, but the world just couldn't take it that it wasn't as big a deal to us as it was to everybody else. Why? Well, because he guards the course of the just and he protects the way of his faithfulness. He just does that for us. So that's good, right? So uh, you know what? I'm just realizing I'm reading along someplace that's not even in my notes. <laughs> Man, oh man. No, oh, well, there it is. It's snuggled in there. Oh, I didn't. Okay. Verse 9. This is the last one in this little this chapter. Then you'll understand what is right and just and fair every good path. I, those verses are great. That's just pretty much summarize it. I'm going to read them all again, this chapter 2. Just the first nine verses. My son, if you accept my words and start my commands within you, turn in your ear to wisdom and applying your heart to understanding. That's when you read. You should do that. Apply your heart to understand. I want to understand, God. What am I supposed to do? Indeed, if you call out for insight and cry aloud for understanding, he's not, he's not back there saying, oh, cry out some more. Come on, worm, struggle. No, if you literally sincerely say, God, I don't understand. I need to understand. He'll help you. And, if, and often the, scripture, the answer might be right in the scriptures. So that's why I read through the scriptures all the time. Because many times the answers I need in my practical life are right there. I, some, God will anoint a story or a verse to me, and I go, oh, my gosh, that's the answer to that thing. Right? Because he likes his own book, evidently. He likes his, what he wrote. And if you look for it as silver and search for it as hidden treasure, then you will fear well, insight, understanding. So if you really want it, then you will understand the fear of the Lord and find the knowledge of God. And if you really want it, read your Bible all the time. For the Lord gives wisdom. From his mouth come knowledge and understanding. He wrote it all down for you to get, right? He holds success in store for the upright. He's a shield to those who walk as blameless. For he guards the course of the just and protects the way of his faithfulness. Then you'll understand what is right and just and fair every good path. Well, I want to understand every good path, right? So I have just a couple more passages that I'm going to stop. But they're some of my favorites. James 1.5 says this, if any of you lacks wisdom, you should ask God who gives generously to all without finding fault and it will be given to you. Now, I have a little understanding on this verse. How many ask for wisdom and think, I am not hearing nothing. <laughs> I've asked for wisdom and I still don't got it. It's three years later, right? Okay, let me tell you a little trick here I learned about wisdom. Often when God takes, God, think about this. 
When God gives wisdom, he gives it to you. He always thinks macro, and we always think micro. Lord, release, release me from this little thing. Like, it's just killing me. Right? But he's thinking bigger. Okay, I want to release you. I see that. But I want to release you, but I want to release even more than what you're praying. So would you give me a chance to do that? So I've understood this verse a little more clearly. Because how many of you ever prayed, God, give me wisdom? And it's like three years later, and you still don't have wisdom, right? You should ask God who gives generously to all without finding fault, and it will be given to you. So what you need to do is you need, because the next verse is, when you ask, you must believe and not doubt, because the one who doubts is like a wave of the sea blown and tossed by the wind. All right, so, okay, so sometimes we put that in the micro place, and like we're really upset about something, we really need wisdom for it, and then we're praying to ask for it, but we're so afraid that we just don't have about that much faith. Because we're, we're taking the thing and we're looking at it too narrowly. I've coined this term, which helps me a great deal, wisdom path. Maybe you've heard me mention it before. So think of your whole life as a wisdom path. So you need wisdom for this, but I think more in terms of pathways. In other words, the long term. Like, So what God does is when he's answering a specific request for wisdom, interestingly enough, he doesn't just give you the thing for that moment. He says, oh, I see you're having a little trouble there. Well, let's go take a ride. Let's go take a little journey. So what he does, he says, okay, I'll answer that. But in the process, I'm going to take you on a little journey. So I'll not only answer what you wanted or what you needed wisdom for, but I will give you what you didn't ask for. Could I say that again? Because that was really good, Mike. And I really like that, what you just said. Okay. So he'll not only give you what you asked for, but he'll give you more because he takes you on a journey. Right? So you don't understand why something's happened. You don't understand why you're having trouble. He'll take you on a journey. Think of wisdom path when you're asking for wisdom. So God will say, yes, I'll do that for you. I'll answer you. But we're going to go on a journey for a while. Now, sometimes you don't do that. It comes right away. You know what to do. Boom. But many times I found myself, especially if the problem is persistent long enough, I'm on a journey with God. So I can assume God already heard. He's already given me wisdom, even though I can't see it. Now I'm just going to walk along this path, and I'm going to notice what's happening in my life and all around me. And I'm going to notice And when the wisdom of God shows up again. Oh, that's another piece of the puzzle. Think of it as solving a puzzle. You need wisdom, so it's a puzzle. So he gives you a piece here, a piece there, 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 there. You're on a wisdom path, and eventually you get to the answer. And after you're done with that wisdom path, he gave you more than what you're asking for. He said, I see what you need, but you need that because of this, but you can't see it yet. And you need to do this, and I'm going to fix that while we're at it. So we're just going to give you an overhaul. You thought you just needed oil change, but actually the whole engine needs to be overhauled. So we're going to fix you up. All right? So that's what we call a wisdom path. He fixes the whole deal. He fixes your whole path, right? And God does that a lot. So it's really, really uh, powerful. All right. All right. So, um, hmm. Where should I stop? Oh, I'm at the end. Okay. Um, I like this. I'll finish with this whole thing, all right? Isaiah 30, first 15 to 21. I want to read these verses. So Israel got in a big, big trouble. And it reminds me of us sometimes, because sometimes we get in big trouble, and we're in a situation where, um, uh, in this particular story, um, they're... They're literally trying to figure out whether they should stay or to leave, right? And um, that's so funny because a lot of people maybe in this room are trying to figure out, isn't this the time of whether I stay or leave? I mean, I've never seen such a time where people are trying to figure out, do I move or do I stay? I mean, it's in the air everywhere. And uh, having moved uh, 20 times in the first 10 years of our marriage, I don't like moving. Uh, it's not what it's cracked up to be. I t- had my full uh, like uh, drink of that uh, in the first 10 years of our marriage, so I like... 
don't tend to move very easily once I figured out where I was going to be, right? So we stayed still ever since. But this was a dangerous situation, and I, I think that this is a dangerous situation that we're living in now for many of us, and we've had enemies and things and financial things and corrupt government and all kinds of things. But um, I want to just read this, and I'll say it so prophetically. This will be the last thing I do today. But um, we're talking about wisdom, right? This is what the Sovereign Lord, the Holy One of Israel, says. Now remember this wisdom path thing I was talking about. And repentance and rest is your salvation, and quietness and trust is your strength. But you would have none of it. So, in other words, when we make decisions, especially big ones, it's really good to measure your quietness and trust quotient, your repentance and rest quotient. Now, that doesn't mean, especially if you're in a difficult situation, that you need to be totally at peace and comatose. But there is a certain peace that passes understanding. Yes, you can see the problem, but you're, you're not riled by it. It's not intimidating you, right? So that's important. And that's really important. If you get intimidated by a circumstance you're in, for all the wrong reasons, fearful reasons, reasons that are sort of outside of you, it's really important that you understand, calm yourself and, and learn this passage here. And, and this is a very good example of it. This is what the Sovereign Lord, the Holy One of Israel says, In repentance and rest is your salvation, and quiet and trust is your strength. Now, they were facing a horrible enemy. This was like no calm situation. This is not a calm situation. You say, Lord, but my calm situation is not calm. So we're talking about a very dangerous, horrible, annihilation sort of scenario. He says, In repentance and rest is your salvation, quiet and trust is your strength, but you would have none of it. You said, no, we will flee on horses. Therefore, you will flee. <laughs> That's why I never, well, I won't say I never, because I'm not that great yet, but I try not to do anything out of fear. Never do anything out of fear. If it's got fear in it, I don't want it. I don't, deal. I don't, I don't, I, I don't trust it, right? Now, it doesn't mean I can't be fearful. It just means when I got this dominating thing, Sometimes when you're fearful, they are your bravest moments because you're brave even though that's, you're fearful, right? So you've got to have bravery in there somewhere. But bravery is actually, it can spell it this way, trust, faith. You've got faith in God, though you're facing a daunting circumstance. But these guys didn't have any faith at all. No, we will flee on horses, therefore you will flee. You said we will ride off on swift horses, therefore your pursuers will be swift. In other words, there's this enemy facing them as we're going to see, and they're going to run. A thousand will flee at the threat of one. At the threat of five, you will all flee away till you are left like a flagstaff on a mountaintop, like a banner on a hill. Yet the Lord, he longs to be gracious to you. Therefore, he will rise up to show you compassion for the Lord is a God of justice. Blessed are all who wait for him. So they weren't waiting. They're just freaking out. Running. Not even knowing where they're running. Running to places they never lived, been before. But especially like to Egypt, right? which was looked like a wide-open doors deal, but it was nothing but trouble. People of Zion who live in Jerusalem, you will weep no more. How gracious he will be when you cry for help. As soon as he hears, he will answer you. Although the Lord gives you the bread of adversity, I know the trouble's here, and the water of affliction, I know there's problems. Your teachers will be hidden no more. With your own eyes, you will see them. Whether you turn to the right or the left, your ears will hear a voice behind you saying, this is the way, walk in it. Wow. Then you will desecrate your idols overlaid with silver and your images covered with gold. You will throw them away like a menstrual cloth and say to them, away with you. So the issue was, God was trying to get at some stuff on the inside of them. They were in severe idolatry and they were getting judged for it. And they thought the answer to that problem was just to run away and leave their land. But the problem wasn't the land. The problem wasn't the enemy. The problem was their own righteousness, their own walk with the Lord. 
God wanted to bless them in the land they were, but it didn't look like a good land anymore. It didn't look like the promised land anymore. But they had defiled it with their disobedience and every kind of thing. And, and, the, and the promise had looked, looked horrible because they had, they had actually ruined it. But the promise held. The promise stayed in place. Right? So their faith had evaporated. So, so, so it offended God. No, we're going to flee. We're going to run. No, no, no. That spirit of fear, when it gets on you and causes you to do that, you can almost know you're going the wrong way. At the least, you need to get to a place where you can manage it and see clearly. When the fear comes, and I see a lot of panic these days. There's panic everywhere. And I don't want it to happen in the body of Christ. When we leave, we should leave by, or we make a, a strong decision for a job or whatever. Have some sense of promise in it. I would rather take chances. I've taken some huge risks in my life. But every risk I ever I took, and I've taken many, have been because I saw God in it. And I figured I would be better off with God. I saw God wanted it, right? It was something I was risking for God. That's the only way I've risked. Risk for God. If I risk for God, I figure I'm okay. Not only God that it's a good idea, but God that He's pushing me out of my comfort zone into this, but I'm going to be okay. But to go in the other spirit, trying to self-preserve, you're panicking, you're freaking, you got your eyes on everything imaginable, and then you're doing... I mean, this is not a lifestyle. You know what? If you run... You'll keep on running, because the end will get a foothold and it'll keep kicking your rear down the road. Oh, you're afraid of that? Well, watch this. Then he does it again. Down the road, and you're like a little can going down the road. He kicks you every every time he wants. Boom! There you go again. Oh, I haven't kicked such and such, so I think I'll do it again. Boom! And you're going, oh, oh, more fear. And fear is like that. Fear is like a big can waiting to be kicked. I don't think I put that in my notes, but anyway, that's all. All right, let's all stand. Lord, I want to ask you today for courage a new commitment to hearing your voice I declare today there is great reward in knowing and obeying God's commands doing things God's way with God's heart not out of terror but out of courage out of inheriting the land out of grabbing promises for our life even after reminding ourselves of promises we've already received that are not here yet and making sure that we stay in place for what you've told us. Lord, I pray today would be a day of great courage. I pray you would encourage us. I could just feel the Holy Spirit talking to individuals. You know, if you give the Lord a chance to talk a little bit, I think he 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 might just speak to you today about your situations. Might give you a hint, maybe, for decisions that you're making. Matter of fact, I'd just like to say, um, I think that there's enough on this that I'm speaking. i got a little faith in this. I think if you're trying to make a difficult decision, maybe um, a pretty big one about your love, a job change, maybe a life change in some way, maybe a marriage issue, maybe an issue with regard to your children, maybe an issue with moving or staying or whatever, and you just need the guidance of the Lord. You just need the Lord to say, this is the way, walk in it. Or if you're already walking, the way to affirm that you're going the right way, right? You think God's going to have to go, no, I'm not going to affirm to you that this is the right way, you little worm, struggle. No, no. The only problem is you have to believe that when you ask for affirmation, he'll actually give it to you. You have to believe. So this is the thing, your part is you got to believe. So you got to believe. Even if you don't believe 100%, just a little step in that direction. God's so generous. He doesn't... Faith is not brainwashing. It's not that you have to be 100%. I, I'm scared of brainwashing. 
It's God being willing to take you where you are, take you another step, giving you a wisdom path to walk. And so you at least get rid of the terror out of your life and the fear and dump it and say, okay, God, I'm looking at this in a new way. I'm just pursuing you on this. Please help me. And I'm going to tell you, can I just say this the way I started? Reading your Bible is one of the best things on a consistent way. You know, a couple of chapters every day or some kind of little plan that you have. Uh, it's the very best thing for getting guidance and leading. It'll help you. It'll remind you of things. It'll keep you, remind you of promises. Staying in the Word is so powerful for guidance and for leading and for direction and for knowing uh, uh, the great uh, promises of God. It's so powerful. Man doesn't live on bread alone, but on what? On every word that comes from the mouth of God. This book is words from the mouth of God. It's right here for the taking. And then he'll highlight one and he'll just go out and you'll just know that that's the right promise you should be standing on. But I just felt like today, maybe God will give you some help. Maybe things I'm saying, you just need some very specific direction. Why don't you just come up to the front if that's what you want. Uh, Come up to the front right now, wherever you are. I'm just going to ask God, while you're standing there, while you're worshiping, that the Lord would set things in motion in your life. And you would just begin to hear. And and if you're going the wrong trajectory, I'm going to pray a general prayer over all of us. If you're hearing the wrong thing, if you're going the wrong direction, let's just ask God. Let's ask God uh, to show us. Now, ministry team, what I'd like you to do is, I'd like you, you don't have to, you can just circulate around here, but I want you to do something different today. And I want you that are in the front, I'm going to warn you that this may happen. I'm going to ask the ministry team to pray for you. But um, also, would you be listening with your other ear and try to see if God speaks to you something about that person? You may not even know what the person needs. Let's do ministry team a little bit different here. When you come up and minister, see if you can get something for someone. Don't just pray for them, but come up and interact with them. Just see if you get something. And then after you say something over their life or pray something generally over their life, then maybe you might ask them a little bit more what their need is, okay? So could I have some prophetic worship team people? I mean, ministry team people. I want some prophetic. I want you to come up here so I can see who you are. Who wants to volunteer for this, dude? If you guys can just step back a little bit. Okay, I've got two. Angie, you're three. Me, I'm four. Five. Six. Who else is on my ministry team? Frank, six. Who else is going to volunteer for duty this morning? Okay, I've got six. I just want people filled with faith and and with the ability to give a word to someone, okay, this morning. Thank you, Chanel. Anybody else? Holy Spirit. For you that have been in our prophecy classes, this is a good time to try it, out what you've been learning. (laughs) Right? Holy Spirit, just come. So, this person here, right there, yes, you. I can see the presence of the Lord on you. And uh, you're a worshiper and a prayer. You're you're like um, Mary in the Bible. You have that anointing in your life. And uh, you've been walking with the Lord for a while now. And Mary is your anointing, Mary of Bethany sitting at Jesus' feet and listening. And there's an unusual worship presence around you. And, uh, and I think the Lord makes you a promise. You just keep being Mary to Him. He'll take care of the rest. You pour out your life, He's going to take care of your financial stuff. And actually, He's going to lead you into good financial waters, really safe, something that you sort of like to do and at the same time prospers you and your family. And the Lord just bless you. What's your name? 
Jillian. Jillian. Jillian, in the name of Jesus, I release the blessing of the Lord on your finances. May God just show you exactly where you're supposed to work, exactly how you're supposed to make a living. I'm going to just declare over you, may you get a good return for your time. May you get a huge return for your time. You're very special to the Lord. You keep that commitment to the Lord. You don't let anybody dissuade you from your walk with the Lord, okay? Amen. Amen. All right, we're going to say things like that to people up here. So you guys that are doing the worship, just lead us along a little bit. We'll use this time. And you don't have to be up here to receive something from God. Maybe just spend a little time praying from right from where you're at and asking God to help you in any of these areas that we brought up. And if you're swirling around and leaving the auditorium, if you guys could leave uh, quietly, that would be great. Maybe you could talk a little bit more out in the lobby area or something. So I just think there's a lot of grace here. Uh, a lot of restoration, a lot of good stuff about to happen to people up here in the front. I just want to make sure we take full advantage of that. Bless you all.